Hey, welcome to Radical Rocks. This is your host, Shane. Today we've got an exciting episode. We're going to talk about the Flint Ridge in Ohio. Some beautiful multicolored flint there. Looks like jasper. Takes a great polish. We'll talk about cursed gemstones, water on Mars, and more. I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand, hills, and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystal. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand In the desert You can find lots of rocks There's radical rocks are everywhere mm-hmm. Alright guys, that's right Radical rocks are everywhere I want to thank you guys for tuning in hey, We got a bunch to talk about We're going to talk about the 10 Biggest and worst curses In gemstone history We'll go into Ohio Flint Ridge. We're going to talk about the oldest predatory ant ever found from Europe, uh, Mars water rock. We've got uh, put rocks on your face, lost Arizona mines, a bramble snout, and so much more. So let's get right into it. I want to thank you guys for checking out our YouTube videos and going and liking and subscribing and Looking us up on social media, you can find us on MeWe, we're big there, Radical Rocks, and also uh, Facebook and others, so just look us up, you'll find us. So with that, um, I think we will start, I've got a bunch of other stories for you too that we didn't talk about. Um, Bill Gates, he is funding this new technology for mining. And it's going to reduce carbon emissions. If you go to mining.com and look up Bill Gates lead funds back Robert Friedland's pulse technology to reduce carbon emissions at the mine, you can find out about this crazy pulse um, technology. Basically, he's using these uh, pulses to bust up the rock which uh, won't take chemicals or explosives or things like that. And then, of course, uh, he could probably use it to cut down on population and force people to, uh, to buy into his uh, jelly meat and uh, vaccine interests. Who knows? Maybe that's a conspiracy theory. But anyway, he is funding this pulse technology, basically these waves... Uh, with the IROX Pulse Power Venture, iPulse Inc., it bursts a high-intensity frequency, boom, crushes and destroys this rock. It is the most energy-intensive and expensive thing of mining, getting uh, the the ore crushed and and uh, all that stuff. So he thinks this this will help. Who knows? Next, I'm going to tell you about the Bramble Snout. It sounds like Jimmy Durante. If you know old, old Hollywood history, you may know about Jimmy Durante. He had a large nose, a large snout that he was quite famous for. The Bramble Snout 
is the oldest of an ocean creature. Only got about a half inch long. A little bit of a shrimp looking thing. Looks like a flying spaceship with one big eye on top and a uh, elephant trunk of a nose with little fingers running down the length of it. And uh, this little critter would just sail around the ocean and feed on organisms and things like that. You can look this up at uh, LiveScience.com. This was in England, in Wales, is where it was discovered. Mindy Wessenberger tells us about this. Tiny bramble snout fossils found near Wales were weird wonders that predated the, the dinosaurs. They feel that these were there even before. Now, just imagine you find this rock, you pick it up, it's so heavy, you're like, man, it doesn't look like gold, but maybe gold's in it. So you hide it. You hide it for years and years and years. Well, that's what happened. Uh, in 2015, David Hull was in a regional park in Melbourne, Australia. He had a metal detector, and he found a real heavy reddish rock in some yellow clay, which is very prominent there. This area, thousands of uh, little nuggets have been found throughout the years through the gold history and the gold rush in Australia all the way uh, as it peaked into the 19th century, when the 18th and 19th centuries. But he had taken many things to the museum before. He tried to break this thing. He couldn't break it. He tried to chip it. He couldn't chip it. Uh, he tried to drill it. It wouldn't drill. I mean, he tried even dipping it in acid. Nothing happened. He took an angle grinder to it. Uh, this thing was impervious to everything. He hit it with a sledgehammer. He's lucky he didn't kill himself. So finally, he said, you know what? I'm going to take it down to the museum. And he did. And they said, this is a very valuable meteorite. It's worth more than gold. Um, it's a beautiful meteorite. It is an iron meteorite. They went ahead and they did take a slice of it. It's 37 and a half pounds or 17 kilograms. So it's a whopper. They call it uh, an H5 ordinary chondrite. And that's the type of meteorite it is. As you can see, little crystallized droplets of metallic minerals all through it. These are what are called chondrules. I guess it's chondrules. So that one's it's chondrite and the other it's chondrules. So these little metals would get hot and kind of melt and kind of beat up. And that way they theorize that this went through the atmosphere into the earth. And therefore, it is a, uh, a meteor from outer space. Uh, it goes on to say this is one of the easiest ways to um, study outer space without having to go there. And um, these meteorites can be found all over, but big ones like this are very, very rare. So, uh, good news for him. Now, makeup. How would you like to, ladies... Um, you're just cramming some rocks on your face to make yourself pretty. That's kind of, you know, what I think of when I think about rocks and makeup. At California18.com, we are told here that the biggest discovery, uh, one of the greatest scientific discoveries besides the discovery of ignorance, <laughs> was something that is the smoothest mineral. And one person said, hey, I think that's glass. 
No. In 1812, a man named um, Frederick Mose invented the Mose scale, and he identified talc as being the softest mineral on the scale. Talc is that mineral that makeup um, was really kind of made from in the beginning, uh, in the early days, and it is made of magnesium, uh, silica, and oxygen. Talc is associated with metamorphic rocks. It can be quite common, but in crystal form, it is very rare. It has perfect cleavage in one direction, like the graphite in pencils. It makes a great lubricant, um, talcum powder, and has protected a lot of babies' bottoms, but now they're finding out the dust could be a uh, carcinogen. It could cause cancer. So you're not seeing uh, talcum powder as popular anymore. People aren't using it. But uh, it was very popular at one time. And if you want to check that out, you can go look that up. Um, next, Mars. Rock samples show evidence of liquid water. I'm still fighting bronchitis, so if I get a little cough, <coughs> I apologize. That's uh, the way it goes. At uh, Great Lakes Ledger, if you go to greatlakesledger.com, you can find out Mars rocks samples show evidence of water. Tricia Elliott tells us all about it. She's got some pictures of Mars here. They are still scouring all over the Jezreel crater. Um, they found many rocks. They feel that these could be um, igneous rocks, but they see the holes and pits that they think are from water. They feel that they could find some organic material minerals. Uh, they really haven't. They say they found some salts and other minerals that are the signs of organics, but uh, they still haven't found them yet. So they're still on the search. And uh, these stories, I get them all the time. They're a new rock or a new area, and they just kind of are repeating the same thing. The oldest predatory ant ever found, it was found and was plundering all through Europe at one time. Where was it found? Well, a museum, in the back of the museum again, 100-year-old museum collection. How many times do we read this? They're digging through all these old uh, boxes and re-looking at these discoveries. And sometimes it just takes the right eye to find it. They found a big hunk of amber, and there was the ant. Um, <coughs> and they're blind, too, the way I understand it. So these are very similar to an eyeless species, according to the CT scans they did that are now found in Asia and South Asia. So they say this is going to help them understand how ants migrated and potentially evolved and all that good stuff. Um, but basically, there's a hunk of amber in Europe, so there was some of these ants. I would say that the climate was definitely much more humid. Shouldn't be surprised to find tropical insects in areas that are not tropical because we have found... Uh, conifers and ferns and fish at the tops of mountains at every far-flung corner of the globe we find these things and it indicates to us that the weather has always changed uh, quite a bit now this ancient coin that was discovered it was thought to be a fake because the back of it it looked like a coin that was about from a 400 year 
different time period. But this one, they say, no. It, it's, it's a real coin from that time. Um, it might, they said it might have been a coin that was minted uh, not for the populace, but just for a special area. The Sponsian is the Roman emperor who lived some 1,800 years ago, I believe. Let's see. They found the first one in 1713, and they found several more all over the area. Yeah, the reverse side was close to 400 years old uh, difference in time period, and Sponsian coin um, was made during the first century. So this is some ancient history. They said he was probably an emperor that ruled in the Gold District area. That may be why um, that he is, you know, his coins. Some of the coins were found in, uh, uh, where the heck was it? They were found in, uh, oh shoot. I thought it was Trans Transylvania, but not Transylvania. I forget where they were found. But if you want to read about this, you can go to Archeon's News, A-R-K-E-O News, and then with an S on the end, .net. You go there and you look up ancient Roman coin, thought to be fake, certainly authentic, and proves the existence of forgotten leader, Sponsian, study claims. And there's a picture of them there, and uh, it looks like a gold coin. They said there's a lot of silver in some of these as well. And they would do that to try to rip people off. Um, the government you know, was acting like some of these coins were gold, but uh, at certain times, certain leaders would say, no, no, just put silver in there and clad it with gold. So some of these did have silver in them. Ten of the world's most cursed gemstones. We don't want these gemstones, or do we? Well, I'll tell you all about it, and then you decide. Listverse.com. Jennifer Boyd tells us all about it. Um, great article if you want to read it. Really straight and to the point. There's the the Majal diamond. This diamond was owned by Elizabeth Taylor. It's a 68 carat diamond. And uh, Tim Burton also purchased a 33 carat coupe diamond uh, for $307,000. And then he gifted her this uh, top uh, Taja Mahal diamond for her 40th anniversary. But anyway, this diamond was originally mined in South Africa. It came into the hands of a man who built the Taj Mahal in the 17th century. He gave the necklace to one of his wives, but another one of the wives wanted the necklace and put a curse on it. Then, at that time, it was suspended by two cords tied around the neck, but when uh, when uh, when the it was redesigned in 1972 by Cartier, Cartier, and they put a gold chain on it. It sold in 2011 for $8 million once it was put on that chain and set with some capuchon rubies and old mine-cut diamonds. So, pretty cool. Um, the Black Orlov Diamond. The curse of the Black Ovlon Diamond is, starts off with a mystery. Nobody knows where it came. A Hindu monk stole it, apparently from the head of a statue. The Hindu god wasn't happy, so he was murdered after. Maybe one of his followers did it. What do you think? Flash forward a century ago. The diamonds in Russia belongs to Princess Nadia Orlov, a former uh, forever changing the diamonds name to the Black Orlov. 
And then she leaped from her death uh, on a skyscraper in Rome. And hers wasn't the first suicide this diamond caused. In 1932 in Paris, a diamond dealer brought, bought the black Orlove only to jump to his death from a skyscraper. They should call it the skyscraping leap. The purple sapphire, the Delhi purple sapphire, cursed. According to the legend, and she's got a lot of videos with this if you want to you know, watch more about it. Uh, according to this, a cavalry man from England um, brought the lifted stone to England because it seems like it must have been stolen from a temple in India during the rebellion in 1857. And then his health deteriorated. He lost everything. And he gave it to a friend. His friend committed suicide. Uh, his son willed the purple, the Delhi purple sapphire back to him. And um, then Edward, in 1890, Edward Allen got the stone. And he became, the, it was an amethyst. He became the owner. And uh, realizing the effects of the stone, he gave it to a friend. Wow, some friend. She immediate. She was a singer. She lost her voice forever right after that. Realizing the evilness of the stone, she threw it into Regent Canal, praying no one would ever see it again. Well, a dredger found the diamond and returned the stone to Heron Allen, who then decided he would hide it in a bank account so it would never be found. After his death in 1943, his daughter took the Delhi Purple Sapphire and gave it to London Natural History Museum along with a note warning of its curse. The amethyst was put on display in 2007, but everyone who looks at it dies eventually. So be careful, don't look at it, because someday you will die, okay? This is serious, or maybe not. The Koh-i-Noor diamond. This one, the Hindus believed that it was revered by their gods, and in spite of the curse it carried, many Male owners of the diamond were violently dethroned. So uh, this is what happened. It ended up being in the British crown jewels. British queens wore it in order to escape the hex. I guess it only got men uh, at that point. That's what they thought. All the queens outlived their husbands and even their children. So it's quite possible that uh, it still affected the men. The strawberry leaf tiara. The Strawberry Leaf Tiara was designed by Prince Albert for his daughter, Princess Alice. But he died of typhoid before it was completed, but she still wanted it. She wanted it to start her, with her new husband in Germany. She went on to experience horrible loss of her two children and died, 35 years old. And then that was on the anniversary of her father's death. The Tiara was willed to Alice's surviving son, Ernest, who gave it to his wife, and their child died. Later they divorced. Ernest didn't learn, um, and he gave the tiara to his second wife. Their son George married Princess Celicia, and then they died on a plane trip, and everyone died. Then the tiara belongs now to the Fountain House of Heath, where it is exhibited, but nobody wants to wear it because they really don't want to die. Fifth, the Pararingjing Pearl. This is another one that uh, uh, Elizabeth wore, but originally this thing came in the Gulf of Panama 
was found by an African slave because they used to make them die for him, by the way. <clears throat> it ended up in the Spanish Royal Crown Jewels, which there's a pretty cool story I told about a boat that got stuck out in Palm Springs near uh, near near that area where the water used to come into California, and there was supposedly all these pearls on it, but nobody ever supposedly found them all. They took some of them back. But anyway, this pearl ended up in the Royal Crown Jewels. Could have come from there. Um, and it was given as a gift to the uh, King of Spain, Philip II, to, to his uh, wife from England, Mary of England, who would eventually be given the name Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary was a devout Catholic, and uh, she loved persecuting English Christians, cutting them up, slicing them, torturing them. During her reign, she had over 280 Protestants burned at the stake. She wore her pearl while she witnessed all these horrible executions. Maybe that's why it's cursed. Bloody Mary um, got married to her love interest, Philip, but he could not take her or leave her. He, he felt like he could take her or leave her, so he wasn't around much. She died at the flu of the flu at 42. Philip moved on and proposed to her sister. She said no. Um, the pearl returned to Spain. I guess if your wife dies, you give the gift back. I don't know. And the Spanish royal family had it. There was murder in the wake in 1969. Um, it seems that uh, ownership came to Richard Burton. And again, he bought this for Elizabeth Taylor. And they ended up getting divorced. And she kept the pearl until she died in 2011. Prince Black Prince Ruby. Black Prince Ruby was said to be stolen um, from the Sultan of... Abu Sayyid, and uh, in 1366, Don Pedro, the cruel king, uh, as he was called, many battles in this area. He was uh, planning to surrender to Don Pedro, but Don Pedro had different plans, murdered Abu, and claimed the ruby for his own. Realizing the evilness of the ruby, possibly, he gave it to the black prince, Don uh, Pedro wasn't able to escape the curse and was murdered three years later by his predecessor. Uh, things didn't go well for him either. He passed away a dysentery without inheriting the English throne. The Black Prince's death, the ruby passed multiple lineages of kings who all died before their times. Eventually made its way to England to sit on top of the state crown worn by Elizabeth II. Queen Elizabeth II. She lived to 96 years old, so Somehow it didn't curse her. She did pretty good. It is now in the Tower of London with those gems. Go look at it. Hopefully you won't die. Next, we got the Regent Diamond. That curse uh, was uh, started with a slave who found a 410 carat in a mine in India in 1608. He decided to hide this thing in a wound. Um, doesn't sound like a good idea, but he, he, he got out with it, he got it, but eventually he was robbed, stabbed, and killed. King Louis XVI, King Louis XVI and Charles X both owned the diamond at one time. And we were either exiled or forced to give up their throne. The Regent Diamond would also be worn on Marie Antoinette's hat and Napoleon's sword. Things didn't turn out well for them either. They both, uh, uh, Marie Antoinette went to the guillotine, 
Napoleon died alone and broke in horrible living conditions. Next, the Eureka Diamond, found by Dutch farmers' children in South Africa in 1886 at the Kimberley Mine. He wasn't sure what it was. He looked, gave it to Cape Colony's chief meteorologist and declared the first diamond ever discovered in South Africa. Although the, all the Africans that lived there knew that those stones were there, but I guess it's not discovered until someone from European descent finds it back in those days. Despite the fact that nothing crazy ever happened, the diamonds owners that we know of uh, died. Uh, most of them at the mine. And a lot of that was because of accidents, high temperatures. I mean, it's super hot down there. Very, very bad. Um, so that's why it's thought to be cursed. Number one stone is the Cursed Hope Diamond. This is one of the most cursed gemstones. Um, there's others, though. There's some opals and things like that that are very cursed. But for today's episode, the Hope Diamond is it. This blue diamond... So it was said to have been stolen from a Hindu statue. And once they discovered it was missing, the priest put a curse on it forever, ever, ever. The Hope Diamond came in possession of King Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette. Again, we know what happened to them. They died. They had two cursed gemstones, apparently. Doubles your chances for getting killed, apparently. During the French Revolution, the diamond was stolen and recut by a Dutch jeweler. And then Welm's son stole the diamond, murdered his father, killed himself, leaving the whereabouts of the Hope Diamond unknown for many years. And then it popped up in 1900s. And then many more owners' fates were doomed. Simon Maroon Charides, a Greek merchant, drove his car off a cliff, <laughs> died. Evelyn Walsh McLean, an heiress to the Washington Post, bought the diamond in 1912, put on her dog collar, um, and then she endured deaths of her children. Her husband left her for another woman. She lost her newspaper, and her children sold the diamond to a jeweler who donated to the Smithsonian Institute where it is today. You can go look at it, and hopefully you won't get cursed and die. So that's the end of that. Cursed gemstones. I just love it. Good times. All right, Ohio's Flint Ridge. I've been to Ohio beautiful flint in this area guys this stuff looks like jasper almost um flint is not quite as uh, a wonderful mineral type um uh, the way it forms but some of it's better than others it does chip very easily but it could still be made into cabochons it's beautiful greens orange reds uh blues dark dark a green light green bright green you know, all these colors, whites, pinks, reds, just really a beautiful, um, it is prized. The Flint Ridge uh, in Ohio is prized by Flint, Flint nappers, lapidarius, jewelry makers, mineral collectors. I've got a couple pieces myself. This stuff is like the rainbow colors, takes a superb polish, and is the official uh, gemstone of Ohio. Now... You can find out about this at rockandjim.com. Just uh, get their email or look up Exploring Ohio's Flint Ridge. And um, I'll tell you more about this to see who uh, who's credited with this so I don't forget. Uh, originally, the story was by Steve Voynick. So he goes on to tell us all about it. Uh, this article is quite lengthy. 
we'll just look at the pertinent things about the rock and mineral as far as a lapidary person would be concerned or someone who wants to collect it. This area uh, is about 40 miles east of Columbus where you can go collect it. So if you're in that area, we'll tell you more about that so you can uh, possibly go get some. Um, yeah, even yard sales. I was at yard sales and that's where I found some of this. Uh, rock and gemstones are another great place. Now, Flint is a type of chalcedony, the microcrystalline variety of quartz. Chalcedony and other subvarieties are agate, jasper, and chert. Well, agate and jasper are almost pure chalcedony. Chert and flint are impure forms because of their uh, compounds. They're classified as rocks. The term flint and chert, they overlap, sometimes can be used interchangeably. They both occur as nodules or layers in formations of limestone, dolomite, or chalk. Flint is generally considered finer grain and somewhat harder type of chert. Also exhibits better defined conchoidal fractures that make it where it's great for making arrowheads, sharp tools, and things like that from the flint. It's tough. It's durable. It's seven on the Mohs scale. It resists erosion. Um, beautiful spectrum of colors, we said. The chalcedony and flint contain small amounts of water, calcite, carbon, various iron, magnesium oxides, hydroxides, opal-like minerals sometimes with morganite, which is a hydrous silicon dioxide as well. The product of the solidification of silica-rich solutions that uh, would alter the silica-rich minerals, flint forms, and one or a combination of three processes happen. Compaction, crystallization, microscopic, silica skeletal uh, structures, there can be fossils in this stuff. Precipitation of silica from seawater, replacement of calcite in limestone by silica and in groundwater. So that's a lot. I just wanted to get the kind of scientific stuff out of the way for those that aren't savvy to that. But the conchoidal fractures, that's what makes the sharp edges that they would chip out to make an arrowhead. Um, are really good for this stone and therefore Native Americans for perhaps thousands of years have been using some of these areas to <coughs> harvest their material for their knives and spears and hide scrapers and different tools. And um, when it is struck by a pointed object, fracturing uh, will make these processes of making it sharp. Now, sometimes uh, ancient napping in action, they have a whole article on that talking about the history, if you want to go into that. Some of the uncommon characteristics here uh, of this uh, flint can be found in England and Francis Paris Valley, where uh, sources in the Flint Hills, eastern Kansas, um, Albates Flint Quarries National Monument is a place you can go look. Uh, and other sites in Texas Panhandle. I've also got some Texas Flint too. Pretty cool. Not as pretty as the uh, Ohio stuff, but it's still it's still not blah and boring. There is some color to it. As I remember, I think there was a blue and a red. So a lot of neat areas. This was formed a long time ago when there was sediments and there was seawater way over on Ohio covering this area down in the ocean. And then you will find little fossils sometimes in these um, in these stones. Notable occurrences. Flint Ridge, we talked about. 
the Vanport Formation, um, the Allegheny Group, they call it. Vanport Formation consists of the early Pennsylvanian period. Um, there's marine limestones that are there. Flint nodules in the Vanport Formation formed with silica replacement, some of the other things that we talked about. There can be marine invertebrates, uh, it can be sponges and different creatures that are found in this. Um, some of these areas are a foot to 12 foot thick. The average is four thick, buried under these sea bottom sediments. And um, Flint Ridge itself is a product of uh, glacierization, also took place in this area. Flint Ridge is eight mile long, and uh, so there's gotta be a lot of Flint there. There's some pay for areas there, but there's also some areas that are off limits. Uh, there's protection because of the Hopewell culture, the Native American culture. You can read about that. Um, they talk about um, the archeological history of Ohio there, but this is Ohio's gemstone. In 1933, because of the significance of Flint Ridge State Memorial area, they um, were able to make this area, a uh, some of it reserved. In 1965, Flint Ridge gained popularity in jewelry, uh, became the official gemstone, and uh, three years the state built a museum at the Flint Ridge State Memorial. There are different Flint varieties, and um, these are all beautiful in this area. You can read about that if you want. Um, bluish gray flint is colorful, banded ribbon flint. Um, yeah, depending on the variety, these can be quite nice. Quartz presence is also found in this area. You can read about that uh, in more detail. Black color also is found there. Flint jewelry is quite popular. They talk more about the napins. And then finally, where to go. Flint Ridge State Memorial and Flint Ridge Ancient Quarries and Nature Preserve are located at 15300 Flint Ridge Road in Glenford, Ohio, off three miles north of exit I-70, exits 141 and 142. The museum is open May 1st to October. You may need an appointment for the winter, so call first. Um, there is some pay areas in here as well. You can go to flintridgeohio.org. There's the Nethers Farm, which is a fee collecting site located at 3890 Flint Ridge Road. So now you know all about it. Some other interesting things that I uh, could share with you at newsatlas.com. They're finding that seawater trapped in ancient rocks opens a window to the past ocean chemistry by Nick Lavars. And he's saying, uh, particularly in New York, in some of the uh, iron pyrite, we can find ancient seawater with halite in it. And uh, they haven't found any living organisms or anything, but they're hoping that this could give them more information. Now we're gonna talk about a gold mine. Lost Mines in Arizona. If you go to gold mines for sale, that's the word for, uh, our friend Prospector Jeff sends out emails. You can get on his email list. He'll tell you about uh, his up-and-coming auctions on gold mines, but he sends out some good information. This time he sends out uh, uh, a wonderful story about lost mines and old reports. He's got a picture here of the geology. So if you want to see some of the geology in a gold area here, he has uh, a grid here with colors showing the granite, the quartzite, the vulcanization, the limestone, the shish, 
and uh, magnetite layers that are in this area here in the northwestern granite wash mountains in La Paz County, Arizona. So you could check that out. Um, he tells us about these lost gold mine stories. The granddaddy of lost mine stories is the Chabola and the Seven Cities of Gold. Um, there is another incredible story in Arizona about the survivor of a shipwreck in 1528, Alvar Nunez. He traveled through Texas, uh, parts which are now Mexico and Arizona, and found the legendary Chibola. They talked about colorful gemstones, probably turquoise, expensive gold ornaments, and a street made entirely of silver. In March 1539, the Viceroy of New Spain was very interested, and uh, it was led, this party went out there, led by Franciscan Ferrer, and the goal was to retrace these steps and find Chibola. The party traveled the Gila River east to central Arizona, which is probably Yavapaya County, if I'm saying that right. It's south, very south, and um, they claimed to have again found the city of gold, this Chibola. City of Gold. Another expedition, 300 Spaniards and 1,000 natives um, went. They didn't find any gold, and uh, they feel this was an ex extensive failure. The, the Coronado expedition went far east and uh, claimed to have found this uh, city of gold, the Chibola. Most of the gold in Arizona is in central and western part of the state. They had to guess. Uh, it could have been Rich Hill, uh, which is a very rich area. 324 years after the expedition, it was discovered by American prospectors who found potato-sized gold nuggets on the top of this hill. Those are long gone. You're not going to find those anymore. In 1866, there was a map made of the current active gold mining districts in Arizona. 21 were all clustered around the Colorado River and nearby mountains. Um, the Har Culver Mountains was one of the districts and uh, he actually has a listing there now if you want the link uh, just go to eBay and you will find it I gave you the information in the beginning um, the stone and workings are the true blue and uh, from the 1930s and some of these mines are old lost mines this area is documented over a thousand years of mining Great reports, both collecting dust and everything else can be found there. A lot of ore runs 11 ounces per ton there uh, at one time. I don't know if that's still true down in the ground. But uh, he talks more about this true blue in the Granite Wash Mountains. Very rich area. He said he had no trouble finding veins at this true blue one. And uh, there's two shafts and two audits. Really cool historical area. If you want to do some gold prospecting certainly would be a good area be careful though that is close to the border there's a lot of if you're too close to the border it's very dangerous there um, and uh, many people have been killed out in that part of the desert and not just recently this has been a long time of a dangerous area so be careful if you're in that area bring bring uh, friends with you and bring protection if you are very close if you're within 50 miles of the border in those gold areas be very careful 
All right, guys, I think that is it. Thank you for bearing with me. Um, I don't know what else to tell you. Please check out. I got a new video where I cut up some Peruvian opal. Check that out on YouTube. Just look up Radical Rocks. You'll find us. Like and subscribe. We appreciate your support. Until next time, remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify.